In today's episode, I talk to Micah Rice about denominationalism. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. Micah Rice is a good friend of mine from years ago. We have maintained a friendship over the years. We have kids about the same age, and his wife and my wife are greatest of friends, and he and I are the same. We have enjoyed each other's company, but mostly because we, as fellow Christians, have worked together on several different occasions and different works. Uh, he is an outstanding student of the Bible, and he is a deacon of the South Coleman Church. He is a principal of Cold Springs Elementary School. Uh, but he is 100% one of the best servants I've ever met. He's a great guy. I think you'll enjoy hearing what he has to say about denominationalism. Let's jump right in. We're going to be talking about the word denomination, which is a, a somewhat, uh, obviously it's not a necessarily biblical word, but it is definitely a word that is used a lot in the religious world because it is uh, it's an identifier. It's something that we uh, often talk about is what denomination are you a part of? Let's begin with a definition. How would you define denomination? You know, when I when I think of denomination, I, I think about this, uh, a name, a, a designation, maybe a way to classify a set of things. You know, when I hear denomination, I, I also think of money and I think about, you know, denominations of bills. So different ways to classify bills. But if we're talking about religiously, or if we're talking about uh, in, in the religious world, we would think of a recognized group, a, a branch of Christianity, so to speak. For example, someone might say something like the Baptist church, the Presbyterian church, church of God is a community, and maybe it's the, the second largest denomination, or people view it as a sect, or as a, a faith, or a creed, a certain set of beliefs that classify this group of people under one name. Isn't that something that the Bible supports? You've got the church in Corinth, you've got the church in Galatia, you've got the church in Philippi. Is that is that the idea of denomination? Yeah, I'll go back to something you said at the very beginning, that it is not a biblical term that you find. Like It's not like we find Paul writing and saying specifically, we are of the denomination of, or you at this church are the denomination of this. But when, when you hear those terms, the church at Corinth, the church at Philippi, the church of Jerusalem, when you hear those terms, you're really hearing about saints of the Lord's church meeting in specific cities or in specific areas. And I think what we would find in the New Testament, when we read that, we, we hear about these people having a common faith of, of one belief, of one set of beliefs. 
and we don't find that those set of beliefs are really determined by anyone other than the Lord himself. Uh, we don't find that they are they are classified by a certain set of traditions or beliefs. So we're talking about something more than location uh, distinction. We're talking about a distinction of actual the, the set of beliefs that you have given yourself to. Right. And, and I think about... You mentioned um, the church, um, Corinth, the church, uh, Philippi, or the church, all these different places. And I, and I think about, when I hear those things, I think about, well, what did, what did Paul in the New Testament, when he wrote to these churches, what did he have to say about that? And that's where I, where I go with, the, with a study like this. And I think about when he writes to the, to the Corinthians, he's writing to them, and he mentions some, some problems that he noticed that they had and some, some divisions that, that came up. And he warned against that. And so uh, when I think about that, I think about like 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, where he's reminding them that their allegiance is to Christ, not to any, any particular preacher or any particular group. So he says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brothers and sisters, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I'm with Paul, or I'm with Apollos, or I'm with Christ, or I'm Cephas, or I'm with Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I'm thankful and I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one would say you were baptized in my name. But I did baptize the household of Stephanus also. Uh, but beyond that, I do not know if I baptized any of you. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made of no effect. Now, I think that started in verse 10. But this idea that Paul is kind of jumping on them about you, you can't be divided to say that I love this preacher, I love this group or whatever, that because that's going to cause a division. Who are we a part of? We are part of Christ. We are part of Christ's church. Well, and I love the way Paul ends that there, this idea mm-hmm. of when we give ourselves over to division, you know, we empty the cross of Christ of its effect. You know, the whole purpose of the cross of Christ is to unite us under our same need and the same grace which answers that need. So we're all sinners. We all messed up. We all failed. We all needed God to redeem us. And the cross of Christ made that possible. So the cross of Christ not only unified us in our guilt and in our need, but it unified us in the effect of bringing us grace and mercy and and uniting us into that one salvation. If we divide ourselves up and try to act like some are better than others, or one set of beliefs is better than another set of beliefs, we essentially eliminate the whole purpose of the cross of Christ. And and if I tie myself to something that, that, starts as a, well, I'm connected to this denomination and to Christ. Well, eventually I've got to make a decision, right? Like, I mean, it, it, it makes that cross of Christ of no effect, but it also says, well, I've made a decision to tie myself to this group, no matter what they believe, rather than to what Christ said in his word or what we have revealed. I think about Acts 11, and I I read this passage this morning and, and thinking about this and and trying to kind of wrap my head around this. And, and it's interesting that uh, in, in Acts 11, you, you come to a moment when we're getting Luke's history of this early church. And, and I'm, I should have said this in the beginning, but that 
if if I want to be tied as close as possible to Jesus, I want to get as close to his word and his time as possible, right? Because if I want to associate myself with a group of believers, I want to associate myself with a group of believers who's trying to say, what was it that God wanted? What was it that Christ wanted? What was it that we see the early, the earliest followers doing? Because I want to be as close to that as possible. So if I go to Acts 11, I read Luke's history of this. We find that there has been this persecution. There's this persecution of uh, Stephen. There has been this persecution that has that has arisen. We have Saul being converted, but then you also come to this kind of story, Acts eleven nineteen. So those who have been scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, verse nineteen, made their way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks as well. So this, they're they're opening up to more than just the Jewish people, preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus. You notice they don't. It doesn't say there that they were preaching the good news of the church of, or the denomination of, or those who taught in. It says preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus. At the hand of the Lord was with them. The large number who believed turned to the Lord. It doesn't say that they were converted to the church of or a denomination. It says they were converted and believed in the Lord. They believed and believe and turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. And when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, this verse 23, he rejoiced and began to encourage them with all resolute heart to remain true to, it doesn't say to a denomination or to the church, it says to the Lord. And so I think when we find the early church, there's an emphasis back on being converted to Christ, being converted to the Lord, being part of, uh, of, of a congregation of people who want to be connected to Jesus, not to a particular church denomination. I got you. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so that that seems to be a key here is what are you trying to actually bring people to? Are we trying to bring people to a group of men and women? Are we trying to bring people to a savior? And that might be an oversimplification because again, all of these groups or many of these groups claim the same savior. But if I am trying to convince people that my church is better than some other church instead of my my savior is where it's at. That's really what we should be focusing on. That that to me makes all the difference. What's my method? Is my method, hey, you would love my church because right. we have this program for kids or our preacher is extremely charismatic or you would like what we teach over there because we're socially conscious and we're all, you know, we try to always be considerate of people's feeling or hey you love my jesus like yeah. to me those are two very different scenarios and again probably an oversimplification but i think it it gets to the heart of what we're trying to do when we tell people about how to become a christian there can be a tendency okay so if i'm uh, you know in my backyard and I, I reach across the fence to our new neighbors hey how you doing good to meet you Hey, um, where do you guys worship or what church are you associated with? And they tell me and then I go, okay, hang on, let me pull out my back pocket. Let me pull out my tracks. Oh, wait. Okay. You're a, 
you believe this. And I run down the list of all the things they believe. Oh, but let me tell you, let me pull out my group, my, my track of what I believe. Yeah. And I've got my, my 10 things that I say, this, these are, this is the creed of what I believe. No, when we read of the early church, we don't read that they had a list of, of creeds decided by Paul or uh, necessarily, or uh, uh, that was written down. We don't find that. We find that they used Jesus. They talked about the cross. They talked about the resurrection. And again, maybe that's an oversimplification of this, but we've muddied the water so much after 2000 years that it's gotten so confusing. Yeah. Um, when I, when I hear this too, I also go to, I think of Colossians too. So he writes, he, he writes, uh, Paul writes to the church of Colossae and he writes in Colossians two verse eight. He says, see to it that there is no one who takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human tradition in accordance with the elementary principles of the world, rather than in accordance with Christ. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you've been made complete. And he is the head over every ruler and authority. And in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision performed without hands in the removal of body and flesh, the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised through him in faith through the working of God who raised him from the dead. So Paul warns them, don't let somebody trick you by some type of human philosophy or human tradition, but we we drill down to this is all in Christ. This is all in Jesus. If I'm going to um, be asked to teach a Bible class or if I'm asked to lead a devotion or whatever, and I come across a tough passage, it's not enough for me to let the passage interpret itself or use some context or use even some history history to understand where the perspective of this author or this audience to understand this. Well, I've got to pull out some commentary or this research or something that, that give some other man's thoughts on this. And to find that I must read some man's thoughts who I think is closely tied to my denomination, so to speak. Does that yeah. make sense? When I'm, and that's a, that's a dangerous, dangerous game to play because number a, like you said, we've gotten away from doing the hard work and, and digging into what, what did, what did God intend right here? And what does the Bible say about this? It's a whole lot easier for me to go to the bookshelf and pull out some commentary. It's a little bit of a different context, but when we come to Galatians three, and he's he's making this point about the law and and different um, this idea that hey I'm talking to the Galatians who you've got some people who were Jews some people who were Gentiles some people who had lived a hard life and now they're all together and he's writing them and he says in chapter three verse twenty three but before faith came we were kept under custody of the law being confined for the faith that was destined to be revealed therefore the law has become our guardian to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For you all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus, so that all of you who are baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, not Jew or Greek, neither slave, free, male or female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. So this idea that those saints, those, those people in Galatia were converted to Christ, they were baptized into Christ, not not into uh, a particular church or in, even in, in the local church 
churches of Galatia, but they were baptized into Christ. It's simpler to check your brains at the door and just say, well, let me go look up the church doctrine on this, or let's just hear what brother so-and-so says, or what do other churches of say about this? Yeah. And that's just, that that's drinking the denominational Kool-Aid, so to speak, like where yep. we're depending on some man-made institution of people to uh, determine what the scripture says about something rather than to do our thinking for us. Yeah. Rather than do the research, the study, the the due diligence ourselves. Um, And, and and I think Marshall Reed did your uh, exegesis podcast. I mean, so he, he talked about the challenge of the hardest part about this is having fresh eyes. When you read a scripture, when you, when you read the story of Colossae, when you read the story of the Corinthians, Approaching that with fresh eyes. How did the, how did this early church deal with that? How how and maybe not that specific thing, but how did they deal with something like this? What do we find in Scripture when it comes to X Y Z topic? Rather than, well, let let me go call around some people or read some websites or read a commentary. Uh, and so yeah. we're allowing that that view of the Lord's church as well. What does our denomination? say about this well that's not yeah we don't we don't read that we don't we don't find that in scripture combating denominationalism is hard work for sure but it's definitely work we all need to be involved in doing not just the denominationalism that we see in the world but the denominationalism that we find in our own heads it is so easy sometimes to just let other people or a set of beliefs do our thinking for us we need to make sure that when we say we believe something, we believe it because we've read it in the Bible, because they are the words of Jesus or his apostles, and because they are words that come from God. Thank you, Micah, for those great reminders, and I hope this podcast episode has been beneficial to you, maybe caused you to set back and think a little bit about the way you think about what you believe and why you believe those things. We will have a follow-up episode in just a couple of days, and I hope you'll tune back in to hear more about denominationalism. I hope you'll share this episode with others that you think it could be helpful for, and let people know what we're doing here at Preach Impediments. Find out more or hear past episodes at preachimpediments.com. Until next time.